Just in circles. We need to take it back. Right? But we need to do it peacefully. Yeah, the cops here are still on our side. You have to remember, they're Republicans too. They voted for Trump. And it doesn't, they're just doing if they their go job. to jail, it doesn't do good for them to help our cause. It, we need everyone, every single person we're, in America. We're all Americans. Peaceful. We need to work together. BLM, for you can they're terrorist shit organizations. Out. We can get rid of them. We can get rid of them. They're terrorist organizations. We know it. They're bad. They come up and hit you from behind. We followed a group of Trump supporters as they walked into the U.S. Capitol and police officers stood and watched. What's the plan? I have no idea. We got all day. Tonight, tomorrow. Who's It all started as a peaceful rally around 10 a.m. I love President Trump. He asked us to come out and support him, and I was glad to do that. Stop the steal! Stop the steal! We will never give up. We will never concede. And we're going to the Capitol. And the crowd responded to his request. And I'll fight with you. I'll fight next to you. I'll keep going. I love you all for being just having the balls to come here. And so they marched. All these politicians work for us. We pay their salaries and we pay our taxes. And what do we get? Nothing. They don't represent us. They need to pay the ultimate price for their crimes. An example needs to be made. If you stand for confrontation, do not move forward. Patriots, move forward. This is our chance to show them how serious we are. Things took an ugly turn in the early afternoon when hundreds of people breached the building. is a traitor. Every single one. Bring them up! Police fired tear gas into the crowd. Yeah, I got we were shot with some kind of clear liquid from all the Gestapo squad. It burns like... Oh, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Throw it away! But it wasn't enough to stop them.
As the mob entered the building, police officers stood and watched. One woman was shot inside of the Capitol and died. And then police pushed everyone outside. I heard a really loud bang. We all thought it was like a flashbang or something like that, but a girl got shot. You can see the blood. That is her blood around that corner. At least five people died, including a police officer. Even after all of the violence and death, some Trump supporters stood proud of what they did. This is America, and we're all here to fight for our freedom. It is not their America. It is our America. a hard time for being white and being American and being in control. I did more for our black population than anybody other than Abraham Lincoln. Okay? And nobody's even close. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It's our God. Jesus Christ has turned the tables on you. Amen. Victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. I bet he can't wait to go home and be become a black man again. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Woo! All right. Um, well, uh, I I am sure by now uh, most of my listeners have seen the uh, acts of terrorism that uh, took place here uh, last week. I'm more than sure that you have witnessed what went on. If you haven't, uh, I'm not sure what what you've been uh, what you've been up to. Um, there's so many things to cover here, and I genuinely want to get to my guest this week. Um, I am, I guess, and, and, you know, and I'm trying not to say stuff that folks have already said, right. There's been a lot of people saying a lot of great things, um, in regards to the parallels of what happened here. Um, you know, in, at the, at the U S Capitol, I think, Right. When we start to think about just how police in general and you heard it, right, you heard it at the beginning of this podcast. Right. The police are on our side. Right. They're Republicans. They voted for Trump. And we've known that anyone who's been woke long enough, you're a person of color, you black person. Most of us know that the police have never been on our side. The police have been in, as I used to call it, local insurgents. Uh, and yes, there are a handful of folks. I would, in fact, every time somebody says, oh, that was a lone, lone wolf, I would say the lone wolf is actually the good cop. Those are the ones that that, that are the lone wolves. The, the, the folks who are the, the cops that are actually trying to uphold the law and think before they shoot. Those are the lone wolves. By far, the vast majority of police officers are infiltrated um, by white supremacy uh, and by white supremacist groups. Um, this is something that, that's been around for a long time. Um, and it's, 
it is it's not something that it's it's very easy to just overlook that because that's difficult for a lot of people to believe um it's difficult for a lot of folks to wrap their heads around this is you know th this is what this is what it really is and i think people are starting to get a a, a sense of that right um there's a couple of books that you should check out Catherine russell brown writes a book called the color of crime racial hoaxes white fear black protectionism police harassment that's a really good one to read another really good one that kind of touches on this as well is stephen tooks and ronald weitzer race and policing in america i will put those links in the show notes two texts i think my listenership should should read the color of crime by Catherine russell brown uh and race and policing in america uh stephen took and ronald weitzer uh two great books that are able to i think really give a good overview of what i'm talking about here plus there's other ones there's other historical books um I, you know i'm into history books and so uh you know there's 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 a lot of material out there you know the african-american odyssey volumes one and two uh gives a great historical account of how the police were developed this is when i used to teach african-american studies or african-american history uh from 16 uh 1600 to uh, to the year 2000 those two-part classes and whatnot um and you know we talk about the history of policing you know and how they've come up and it's been embedded in white supremacy <laughs> oh man it um this uh yeah this is this is this is nothing new for those of us who've been around it's just hitting mainstream right now it's hitting it's hitting home when people you know see the capital being stormed I, that wasn't a surprise to me i knew that shit was gonna happen right that, I did, that i've been talking about it on this show right for a long time i mean and this is just the beginning and if people think that again if biden and and harris being elected that that's gonna somehow fix all this and that it's just gonna go away no no this not and don't be stooped by the the shift in the media discourse either all right don't be taken by the fact that the media will shift from the Donald Trump story into what Biden and Harris are doing. And so it'll squelch oftentimes a lot of these insurrection, a lot of these local white militia terrorist groups that are enacting these things. And those again, this is why I hate leaving the city. Right. Because that's where these 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 motherfuckers live. Um, and so, you know, I. <laughs> And here's the thing, man, you know, when people talk about Blue Lives Matter, we all know that's bullshit. You know, when people talk about, you know, oh, all lives matter, we know that's bullshit. That's that's all bullshit. It, it, it don't it has no place in the vocabulary of somebody who's trying to push for equity. Somebody's trying to push for social social justice, social equality. Um, you know, you you have no room to, 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 to have those type of words in your vocabulary because we've known for a long time that BLM, uh, uh, groups like that, you know, any black organization has been looked at as a terrorist organization. Yet, had they stormed the Capitol the way they these white motherfuckers did, uh, we'd already know, right, what would have happened, right? Can you imagine a Muslim group storming the Capitol like that? Would the doors have been open just like that? If you haven't seen some of these videos, I highly recommend going out and you do you don't even have to, I mean, just type in white militia groups storming the Capitol or just storming the Capitol on YouTube and just see there, there, there's all kind of angles, right? Because we're always recording shit. And you can see police officers, right? Letting them in. 
letting them in one of the most secure cities in the world, let alone the country, right? That city will shut down if they think a damn water bottle has been left on the corner too long. And you telling me that these motherfuckers just walked in? No, 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 no. This shit is an inside job. Now, I don't, I don't want to hear none of that shit. Um, so, yeah, man, this is... Uh, Oh, it's it's something that I think you know we gotta reckon with because this is this isn't going away, and uh, it's uh, it's not anything that we're gonna be able to just overlook and say, well, whew, glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> oh mercy! So yeah, it's there's a lot, and I you know I struggle because it's like I wanted to you know this this week I wanted to you know get with my guest and and you know he he's got an amazing story. I'll, I'll get to his introduction here in, in a minute. Trust me, I I, I promise. Um, and, you know, I, but I was trying to like figure out like man what, because you know pro, I, I've I've devised a show to really be you know kind of proactive and reactive for that matter to different you know topics that come up, and this is obviously a topic that deserves a lot more conversation. And so I'm going to be working on that. Um, I've got some great guests lined up and it's, it, as you can see, I mean, we've just been knocking them out the park last week with my man, JR. Maybe you haven't even finished that one. <laughs> that was, that was a long one. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, well, I, like I said, I got some great guests coming up and I'll, and, and, and you're going to be hearing from some great folks. And I think that this, this is something I, I wanted really what I wanted to do rather than being completely reactive and talking about it in the moment, I wanted to give us some time to think about it. Right. Cause we all know as things start to emerge, people are resigning. We're seeing, right. The police officer that was getting killed. I got squished in the door. If you haven't seen that, I just found out today people was taking shits in the hallway. Right. I mean, all this 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 stuff that's going on i really wanted us to 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 process that so um i'm going to try to put a little i don't know i want to say panel together but some voices uh to talk about into to this and, and it was we're gonna have a conversation in, uh, in regards uh, you know to this um i think it's important to to reflect on uh, the you know the moment in the time i think it's important to I think it's important to, to also have conversations that are meaningful, but also conversations that lead towards something. And here's the thing. I don't know what that something is for change. We are in a, we are in a very interesting uh, place right now. Ruth Ben Gihait. I can't really, I know I'm butchering her last name. It's G-H-I-A-T. She's a history professor at New York University and author of the book, Strongman, Mussolini to the Present. Another good read. Uh, she uh, she was actually talking to the Huff Post about how she thinks uh, that Trump uh, might act. Uh, you know how once he's out of office, because you got to remember, as much as I want this motherfucker to go to jail, um, he, he, he you know he's not gonna really see no no no. I mean, he'll get a couple of hand slaps. I don't expect anything. I you know I don't expect anything because this this fool is just that, and what he is. I don't want to say awoke, but what he has riled up and brought to the present, um, and, and, and what I mean to the present to into the, the public sphere is something that has been boiling for a long time in this country. Uh, we saw a lot of it. We could have dealt with it and engaged with it seriously um, in the 60s. 
We ignored it. You know, we thought it would go away. We thought, right, the civil rights movement, you know. Meanwhile, the folks who were getting watching, you know, were like, wait, all of our leaders are either dead or in jail, right? Or most of them are either dead or in jail or sent into exile. And that was a success, right? We celebrate MLK holiday coming up here uh, this next week. I'm just like, I, I'm trying to think like, what? okay, what are we celebrating? Seriously. No, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking the question. Like I get his legacy. I get the stuff, the work that he did. But what ha where are we now? 50 years later, the man is dead. He was assassinated. Um, and we, we, you know, like I said before, there is no singularized, organized, black central wealth hub in this country that exists. Um, and it's not that, that folks haven't tried. <laughs> Again, know your history. It's not that folks haven't, uh, you know, engaged with this, this, this stuff. Uh, and try to build it. Now you have individuals, right? You have plenty of wealthy black individuals, but concentrating it like the way Jewish communities do it, the way certain Korean communities and Chinese communities do it, the way a lot of most white communities do it, right? Concentrate that wealth, right? CEOs of banks, uh, you know, understanding the way tax breaks work, understanding, uh, you know, how money works, right? And how that shit is then passed on down from generation to generation. Um, that shit right there don't exist. It's tried, but it's got all the things that have been tried, all the things that have come up, uh, either from the Black Panther movement, from the hip hop community, uh, from the builder generation, from the civil rights generation has been stomped out. Um, so that's for me, I'm just like, what's next? What's the change? <laughs> oh, if we can all just talk about it. Look, and diversity training ain't gonna help it. I'm saying fuck diversity training. We passed that. All right. We passed all that shit right now. So if you think, you know, for a second that, you know, reconciliation, man, fuck racial reconciliation. Seriously, all them motherfuckers, you know, that are talking about racial reconciliation and we just need to reconcile to God, man. Fuck that. We are past that shit. Okay. And for what burns me up, it's just like, I wish we could actually put our intelligent minds working towards a new solution. We've we're, we're past talking. We're, we're, we're past trying to, to negotiate. Um, you know, and part of it is, is that we reached the point of just war theory. Have we reached the point of, you know, we've exhausted all other means. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm not one to say, oh, let's go out and storm because I, you know, I know what would happen, but I'm just saying, I don't know. I, I genuinely ask myself, and this is what, um, you know, this is what Ruse is talking about here um, when she's when she's looking at uh, what his, she says, quote, she says, I wasn't surprised. This is in her interview right on the HuffPost. She says, I was extremely calm when it happened because I just kind of expected it. Of course, it was shocking to then to see lawmakers, uh, you know, cowering. And then I became uh, very angry at the arrogance and lawlessness and the fact that the police didn't do anything. And that these guys went out for drinks later, these insurgents. But no, this has been set up since Trump's presidential campaign when he actively cultivated all of these various militias and far right forces. So it's that cultivation entwined with this victim cult. Listen to the narrative, right, of the people who are talking about they took this away from us, right? I'm, we're losing our free. We're sick and tired of taking it. <laughs> I tell you, man, white folks, if white folks had to endure even an ounce even an ounce of an ounce of the shit that, that black folks and people of color had to endure in this country, we would, 
imagine if, if white folks were, were being infected at the rates that black people were infected of COVID and dying, right? Masks would be the goddamn law, <laughs> right? Oh man. So yeah, man, this shit, it's, it just, it drives me. <sighs> it It's, it's what she describes as leader follower relationship, right? And this is embroiled in also all kinds of cognitive dissonance and, um, you know, false positives and all that type of thinking, right? She says, unfortunately, they don't get out of that. Uh, what I mean is the other cases are in some ways not analogous because, you know, when you have a real dictatorship, there's no, oppo there's no opposing voices. In fact, in a way, it makes our case all the more scarier uh, and remarkable because he didn't have time to ruin democracy, uh, right? And so this is, this is an ongoing this buildup, right? Like our follower is being, or our leader is being uh, held back, right? The QAnon conspiracies, right? Um, you really need to go out and 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 read this book. Um, again, the book is um, Strongman from Mussolini to the Present. I'll put that in the show links as well um, for those of you listening. So, you know, again, I'm 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 a I'm a I'm gonna put this put a put, put some folks together. We gonna we gonna have a conversation about it. But I had to at least address it on this week's show because, yo, man, this shit is this this shit is for real. Um, and I, again, I am not in no means thinking that this is over. In fact, for anything, I think this is just the beginning. Um, and I know for some of you, those alarmists, and part of it is is that I feel like, particularly with people of color, Christians, right? I feel like. Oftentimes we're weighed down and bogged down, if you will, by really the tyranny of hope. And what I mean by that is that both hope and fear can be used as an oppressive tool. Um, and we already kind of know what fear can do, but we've never really taken a hard look at what hope can do. Because we, you know, we all keep hope alive, keep hope alive. Right. I get that at a core keep pushing forward i get that as a core we should keep working towards you know goals and blah 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 but at the same time hope how many folks have have grind their fingers to the ground have pulled them bootstraps up to them straps just fell off in pursuit of some goal or dream how many of us just work our asses off trying to make ahead in this capitalistic society right with the hope of success with the hope of gaining more money with the hope of getting a title. I'm guilty of that, right? Having gone through the damn tenure process and having been in higher education, spending 10 years in the damn adjunct world, right? The oppressiveness of hope can hold people in bondage and hold you at a an animated state. The hope that God somehow will come supernaturally. The hope that God will somehow bless this and we just need God to show up. We've been praying those goddamn prayers for a long goddamn time. Okay. And I think it's time we actually get serious and look at what the fuck we really need to do. And this is where I feel like all them reconciliation theologies and theories, this is where they just, they fall. They sound great on stage. They sound great as a keynote. They sound great in a fucking book, but they do not work pragmatically in real time because it does not move and shift the elements of power from the people who have it oppressively into the people that should 
And even then, if you haven't done the hard work of decolonizing your mind and your worldview, even when you get into that position of power, you ain't gonna know what the fuck to do. So here we are, we find ourselves right at a moment in time. What do we do? Do we keep doing the same thing, practicing insanity? Well, let's go, you know, let's go do, go over here and let's just pray a little bit harder. Oh, let's go over here. Let's hope that God will do something, right? That's that shit here. That's why I loved about, you know, uh, Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was like, hey, fuck hope. We're going to go on and do it. Yeah, there's a, a grand arc that says, let's hope for better times. Let's pray for that. But in the meantime, fuck that. I'm keeping a gun and we're going to keep this shit moving. Because God didn't physically manifest God's self in that time. That was Harriet Tubman and a lot of motherfuckers who were trying to make some shit happen. And I feel like we've lost a lot of that fighting spirit uh, in place of security, in place of, right, that hope of, well, I don't want, I can't say anything because that's going to mess up my job, right? Think about all these white fucking Christian universities that are out here putting out statements and shit, trying to be, right, politically correct on one end. Having to put something out on the other end. Man, fuck all that shit, man. Giving me scriptures and shit. Proof texting like a motherfucker, right? Yeah, like you ain't, you you know for a goddamn truth that that damn scripture is taken completely out of context. So I think we got to explore, right? The tyranny and oppression of hope. Because again, we know fear, but hope can grind people down. It can leave you in a state of animation doing some of the same things over in hope of right change that's my problem with reconciliation theories because they give you a false hope if we just do this right we the you know, white people will do that right well we learned in 2016 those of us who's doing that work that that shit don't matter <laughs> and it still don't matter <laughs> right none of that shit so write all the fucking books you want on racial reconciliation it, none of it fucking worked <laughs> so it is time for some fucking change man and again i don't have the goddamn answer um, and I'm an educator, right? And I'm also complicit in, in buying into the aspect of hope, right? Hope that if I just go and work this one more job and deny my family, um, the time that they want with me or, or, or put away this other thing, right? Right. The hope, because no one on their deathbed says, man, I wish I had worked a little bit harder. I wish I had gone to one more conference to speak at, right? At least on the deathbeds that I've sat next to, I've never heard that. So we got some shit to deal with, y'all. We got some shit. I know. I know I had to take some time here, but goddamn. It's um <sighs> the shit is real. And um I think um I think when I think about it, it just it 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 drives me nuts because it you know, I feel like we've just been talking about this shit for so long. And I and I do. I get I get uh, I get tired of of having to you know go over the same thing and then and when shit hits the fan then I feel like sometimes people come back man I I didn't know yeah you, know, you, you when you said that I was kind of offended but now I'm like whoa I'm like exactly right so anyways it is what it is um, until it is no more and uh, we'll continue to have conversations and like I said particularly with this this oppression of hope because I think that's embedded in in particularly evangelical Christian theology. Uh, that is everywhere uh, in, in in the U.S. And, um, you know, it stifles people. It stifles people's spiritual uh, growth. Uh, it stifles uh, social action. Um, and I'm not, you know, and I know there's people doing out, out there doing some good work. 
But again, I continue to ask myself, it's like all that good work can be, dare I use the word, trumped with somebody who has a lot of money, right? Think about it. Think about, you know, some of these organizations doing great work in our cities, right? Uh, with gangs. But then you get one person with a lot of fucking money. Boom. New youth center. Boom. New computers and new whatever, right? I think we got to ask, why is that the case? Why can somebody with a lot of money outdo some shit? So I, those are just some of the questions I'm asking. I don't have answers. And you can push back. By all means, push back. Let's have a conversation about this. But I think it's high time we 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 shift the narrative uh, from the same old, same old. All right. Let me get to my uh, to my guest. All right. So our guest, Jose, Josue Calderon, uh, runs a podcast, which if you haven't heard, I'm going to put that in the show links as well. Uh, it's called Leaving the Rock. It's in anywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, amazing, amazing story. And and big shout out to the, my good good friend uh, and brother, uh, Dr. Gay Villas, who's obviously been on the show before, um, for connecting me with Josue because he, you know, Josue has a similar story to mine. And I think that was the initial kind of like attraction to, to what was happening there. Cause I was like, oh wow, this, this brother leaving his home church, right? Leaving a very tight knit Latinx religious community in Southern California. Um, and just to hear his story, hear where he's been, um, to hear what he had to go through is amazing. Uh, so I was like, brother, I got to get you on the show. He agreed. He was like, oh man, this is great. And we just had a great conversation. Again, this man is a thinker. He, uh, he is, uh, he's got his, his degrees. I'll, I'll let him explain all that here in a minute. Um, and you know, but he's, you know, he went to Fuller. So he understands theological thought and process. Um, and, you know, again, there are more folks who are out there who are trying to leave or trying to think through these things because <sighs> toxic theology, man, it, it ruins, it ruins a lot. It pushes people away from everything. <laughs> um, and it's and 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 the more stories I can find of people who have left a particular community and are still processing what that means, because uh, I still am almost 20 years later that I've left that community. I'm still thinking through different things and different things, you know, come up. So it leaves a lasting imprint on you. Uh, Josue is, uh, uh, you know, a, a really a survivor in many ways um, the of of something that that that's that oppressive toxic um and abusive uh because oftentimes in those situations you know there is abusive theology there is abusive people um and so he'll share a little bit about that um i was very thankful to get him on the show uh and have be connected with him and we're gonna get him back on here so again if you haven't checked out his show i'll put those show links uh in the uh in this in the show notes at whitearchpodcast.com forward slash profane phase when you just go to whitearchpodcast.com check it out and you'll get the um you'll get the you'll get the show notes but his podcast is called leaving the rock um check out all those episodes and just the stuff that he had to process and deal with and uh wow it's always it's, it's always amazing to me and like i said i know y'all out there you may be listening to this right now i mean thinking like man i need to leave my church leave it <laughs> leave it get out all right y'all stay safe take care check this conversation out
Oh, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, taking time. I know you a busy brother. Um, and for those of you listening right now, I will put all these show links. You have to hear Josue's uh, podcast and just his story and leaving and his church. Can you just share a little bit about just who you are, where you came came from, just so the listeners kind of get us some context about yeah. where you uh, originated from and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, yeah. I'm a product of the '80s. Uh, I was born in 1982. Come on. I grew up. I grew up in Huntington Park, which is most people don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 98% Latino. Okay. Uh, first gen immigrant, and um, even that term immigrant, I don't want to use it, but that's what you know gives give it some context. And the church that um, I was attending at the time uh, was where my parents had originally come to Christ. Um, it's a church in Boyle Heights. Okay. It's called, it's called Roca de Salvacion, Spanish speaking church. Um, very humble beginnings. Um, yeah. And it was a time of the eighties that were in LA. If, if you were around in the, in, in the eighties in LA, it was uh, it was a different place. It was a different <laughs> yes. place. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk up the, the uh, stereotype, but yeah, a lot of it was very, uh, you know, there are a lot of gangs in the in the communities. Um, I, you know, and the occasional the occasional hey, you got to drop and get down in the parking lot because there was a drive by coming by. Uh, that was not uncommon. So, yeah, that's kind of where where I came from. Um, Pentecostal uh, background, Assemblies of God, mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to give it some context for the church, um, but also not very connected to the other churches in the in the district in the section yeah it was just very much a kind of an island okay mm-hmm. what um and had you always been involved in some kind of aspect of church and church life were you like for example were you quote unquote raised in the church yeah yeah for sure dan that's okay. a good question man i was i was definitely raised in the church um my parents, I, I believe they came to the church in 77. Okay. 1977. So I was born in 82. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, man, I was I was just thinking about how how beautiful. Like there's a lot of painful stuff that that I that I remember, but so much of it was really nice. Like um really fond memories of like being embraced by what hermanas by the sisters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just being like passed around oh swag let me carry him <laughs> yeah. and so i you know i'd be passed around and that was uh really it it still is my family you know their family to me right um so yeah that's kind of you 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 don't have an option not to be involved in the church when you're raised in such a small community yeah you just you just are like you you just take take on space and roles where I was just talking about this with a friend yesterday. Um, he, uh, he was the, you, you know, for funerals, we would, we would have, the funerals would be really nice. I, I know that sounds really, really <laughs> no. messed up to say, yeah, but yeah. It, it was like, this was our community member and we're sending them off. And like kids were so invested in that. And the funeral was like, man, let's, let's, let's pay our ultimate respects to this not only a community member, but to a family member. So that's, yeah. that's kind of the vibe that was in the church is you don't have an option, but to serve. And yeah. it wasn't a, it wasn't a burden, not at all. Huh? 
That's interesting, man. And, you know, I, I yeah, being in the 80s, being in, in SoCal, and how, I mean, let me ask this, man. How, mm-hmm. was there a sense of ethnic diversity? How did that work out just being, you know, were there other, you know, white folks or, you know, negritos over here as we used to call them <laughs> stuff? You know, I'm part Mexican, so. Okay, um, okay. That's, uh, you know, that's how, that's uh, growing up, man. That's how folks used to refer to black folks. Oh, yeah, those negritos man. are, yeah. So, um, I just, I'm, I'm just be curious, like, what was the ethnic makeup? Was it, you know, particularly, you know, 100% Latinx or a little mix? Yeah, 100% Latinx, man. We, we did have, um, so... Yeah, no, we had Afro Latinos for sure. Okay, okay, for sure, Afro Afro Latino, but never, but re- ethnically, very much Latino, uh, Latinx, and the one interesting thing about the community was that it was, um, we did have a representation from like Salvadoreños, yeah, people from Guatemala, Ecuador. Uh-huh. Um, we were diverse in that sense, but everyone spoke Spanish. Yeah. And everyone looked very similar. I mean, we, we I, I, I've been diving back and looking at like colorism in the community. Absolutely. Obviously, some uh, plenty of that. Um, but no, we didn't have like what we would consider negritos, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like you refer to that that phrase or that term. We didn't have anyone who would who would have identified as white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah, For sure. and, and and that I mean that's man that's 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 fascinating because I know growing up there was at least in the church I was at um you know there were there were a couple of white families but these were the, the these were the white families right that you know felt more at home around black folks right they were mm. either married interracially you know so their partner mm-hmm. was was black or whatever um so they had you know mixed kids and and you know because as you know. The Adventist church is very much split racially. I mean, it's like mm. when you, I remember traveling one time down uh, the five or now actually, what is it? That highway that cuts through Fresno and Bakersfield and all this, like 190 or the something. Ni- like? 99. 99. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we was traveling and we was just like, oh, well, you know what? It's Sabbath. Let's, let's go fellowship with the church. And I remember walking in and it was, it was apparent to us that it was a predominantly white church. I remember them stopping us at the door and being like, oh, excuse us. I, the, the African American Adventist Church is up the state, you know, up the street. Oh wow! You guys might be a little bit more comfortable there. Mm. <laughs> so, oh wow! Growing up, you know, and my mom, of course, is Mexican. Growing up on the Mexican American side, there was always that sense of like we would go to camp meetings and stuff, and it was there was always a racial split. Latinos mm. over here, you know, black people over here. You have the Asian Americans over here, a bunch of Filipinos, you know, over here, mm. and then the white folks be running everything, and so. I, that's why I was asking that question, just because you know that was a very interesting. I mean, it was predominantly black where I grew up, but uh, in, in in the church. But I was just I was just wondering, when then for you did you start to say, hmm, hmm, mm. I have some questions here. I don't know, and maybe this was in college yeah. and all that good stuff. I don't, I don't know. What what where, yeah. where did that start for you, sir? Oh, Dan, my entire life has been <laughs> a life of questions. Yes, sir. The, Come on. The the one thing about the, the community is, um, yeah, yeah I, a lot of it was driven by our socioeconomics. Yeah. And, yeah. and the status of the church. Absolutely. We were so I, I, we have, I have to give you a little more background. And, and it really has to do with a, a church of a first generation uh, Latino immigrant who, mm. who feels threatened. 
the community feels threatened and is literally struggling to survive. So we would have, I remember clearly, Dan, like um, we'd have maybe like a, a pot of soup. Okay. And we were poor. Yeah. Like, I'm, when I say we were poor, Dan, like we would have to go fishing for food. I mean, we're mm. in LA. Wow. And we had to go fishing. And so if if we didn't catch anything, I had the anxiety as a kid, as a little wow. kid. Like I'm, I'm four and five. That's real. I'm, and I know I'm like, we better catch because if we don't catch, we're going home and I'm going to be hungry. We're going to be empty. Wow. Um, we're on to add on top of that, the this Mexican Latino pride that says, I'm not going to be a burden to this country. I'm here. Mm. I'm here to work. That's it. So, That's it. So for, forget about even thinking about food stamps. Right. We we're here to crawl out of this. That's yes. the mentality. Yes. Um, a lot of people don't, don't wanna, know that. That's that's a lot of people don't get that. So I appreciate you saying that. Keep yes. going. Sorry. And no, you're good, man. And I, for better or worse, I don't want to attribute like a, a better or worse to it. I'm just saying like I'm trying to be descriptive. Of, yeah. Of what it was. Yeah. And so we're, we're one of the poorer families. But even even uh, in retrospect, even then there were families that were worse off. And they'd come over for dinner. And I remember my mom saying, well, let's just add a little more water to the pot. You know, we'll make more soup. It, obviously, it, it, you know, it dilutes the nutrients. But, hey, we're going to fill our stomachs. So that's kind of what I'm coming into when, when uh, I realized that the community is obviously in a, in a state of survival. My, my, I don't know how, Dan, but I, as a kid, I'm hyper aware. So it's not like I see a lot of kids and, and, and it's there. A lot of kids are aware and you can tell when they're aware, but a lot of kids are like in this, in the child bubble of yeah. like, it's, it's my little world and, and only this exists in my little fantasy world. Um, but I wasn't afforded that. You know, I, and I don't, I don't mind it. I, I don't, I don't mind. It. I'm thankful for it. So I was very hyper aware. And all of these questions, as you, as you asked, they're running in my brain. Like I'm so aware of, of socioeconomics at an early age. Why does that hermano drive this car? And this hermano's driving that car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why does, why does the pastora, why does the pastor drive a, a brand new Cadillac? But this hermana doesn't have right. a, a right to church. Yeah. So I'm having these questions even as a kid and it's, see, the thing is, it's not uncommon. I think we all, all of, the, all of us in the community were having the questions, um, but we were being taught to not engage with the questions. That's it. That's it. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's a, I love that phrasing. We were being taught not to engage with it. And if you did, I, I remember the first time I asked the, the pastor, I was like, so pastor, I was giving, I was actually giving a Bible study with the kids and he wanted to check mm. in on me. Right. He want to make sure I'm, mm. I'm doing good doctrine. Right. Right. And we were going through Genesis and I was like, oh, I'm glad we got the pastor here. And, you know, mm. um, so wait a minute. So if Adam and Eve were the first people on earth, um, mm. wait a minute. So after a while, sure, they can have like, you know, 20 kids, but God dang, after a while, Man, he didn't like that. He yeah. didn't like that yeah. questioning, and he was mm -hmm. just like, well, mm -hmm. we'll cover that at a later time, you know. Uh, and, and so there wasn't a sense that they developed the cultivation of inquiry, right? Yes, right, <laughs> right. Oh, and let me, 
Let me ask this. And you share your story. I want to give away the beans because I want to pull push people yeah, to your, those, your, your podcast as well, man, because they really need to hear the nitty gritty of that story. And I love the way you broke it down. Who And who are you having a conversation with in that that podcast? Who's the, who's yeah. the woman in yeah, you don't so mind me I asking. Have, no, no, I, it's funny because um, I've known. So her name is Edith, and she's a really good friend of mine. We go back to uh, late teens nice. when we met through through the band, um, and you know we 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 disconnected for a long time, but we reconnected, and we've reconnected on a lot of issues about faith and just uh, general spirituality, life, race. Um, and the beautiful thing that I do, that I really in, enjoy about her is that she comes from a cath- more Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing her say so that. I And it's something that um, the Latino church has, the Pentecostal churches tend, have a tendency of bashing on, on Catholicos and, yes. and Catholics. Yeah. So we miss out and we, that's, that's to our, our, our own loss, our own loss, because there's a lot that we can learn from from brothers from and sisters from other traditions. Yeah. So that's Edith. Uh, she's a, you know, she's a cool, she's a cool voice. I feel like she, she balances the podcast. She's, she's more, she's much more lively and she laughs a lot more than <laughs> I do. Cause I'm over here. Like, let me tell you how it is. Yeah. Let me tell you how, 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 um, how toxic it can be, but then also how beautiful it is. There's that tension. That is, and that is a tension. I think that, I, right. I mean, and I know for probably almost eight, nine years after I left the church that I was at, there was still that residue of, but there was this community there and we'd go to dinner together. We'd have lunch together. We'd have potluck. We'd be hanging mm. out together. We would each other's house. We'd see Super Bowls together. Like, yeah, all these mm. things. And then you involved because our church was cross, you know, because I did, I was a youth pastor at the church, but then I also did Young Life outside of that. So that's kind of the community outreach type stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, everything was involved, right? It was like, shoot, we going to camp. We, you know, we going to fellowship over here. We're going to camp meetings over here. So it was everything's together. So there was that sense of community mm. that, yeah, I don't mm. know, man. I don't know. What, what for you, man, like... When you talk about toxicity, when 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 did you first start noticing that, and what got you to the point that you said, "I'm I'm out." I'm I- out. Yeah, bro. Yeah, that's heavy. Um, he, yeah, man. I have to. So I have to talk about my family, and I, you know, I'm share as much because, as little as you want. Oh no, bro. I I have no filter, man. Um, but what I what it, the only way I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to condense it to a way where where it, it makes sense and it and it comes from a place of of love because really that's that's the driving force behind this podcast is out, this comes out of love and it to the community it might feel like it's coming from anger but believe me Dan when I'm telling you like I have it's it's a choice because I I love the young people there okay it's a choice because I love them and so my entire community involvement is this is not a just a community to me this is my family yeah the, the, all of them literally yeah. every kid there is my is my little sibling yeah and so i've i've never take i've never taken a, a dime from the church i've never every position in that in the church community is a volunteer it's a volunteership and nobody gets paid other than a couple of staff members so that's kind of been my like 
I'm just giving a hundred percent every year after year to the community. And yeah. The, and the kids love it. And they, and I can feel their love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The hermanos, I can feel their love, but there's a problem. And the moment that it starts really breaking down, it goes, I mean, there's glimpses of it. Now in retrospect, there's glimpses of it where I would see other hermanos going through tensions, but my family, we always had this, this phrase, um, Eso no me, eso no me corresponde. That's mm. none of my, that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's none of my business. Mm-hmm. I'm here to serve God. That's n- what they're going through. That's none of my business. Right. And so in me, I was, I, I, cre- I created this, like, this kind of like this, this, this one directional relationship with God where yeah. even though I was so heavily immersed in the communal setting. Yeah. At the end of the day, what the only thing that mattered was my relationship with God, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so I had no, I had no social responsibility. I had no real responsibility toward my brothers and sisters who were getting gaslit or were mm. getting sexually assaulted or Ooh. harassed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a responsibility to them because, no, preocupate tú y Dios, you and God. Yeah, you and God. Yes. And don't look. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm walking, and and these are the songs that we're singing in yes. our theology. I'm walking. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to my right. But I'm walking and I'm pushing. And I guess to a community that is struggling through survival mode and socioeconomically at the bottom rungs of the of of the pyramid, that might have been necessary back then. It might have been necessary to be like. Look, these brothers don't want to, these brothers want to stay there. I need to move my family forward. Yeah. And so I'm not going to worry too much about the things I can't control. I'm going to move it forward where we fail to, to realize that, hey, man, we're not at that socioeconomic rung anymore. We're not in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Some of us are actually comfortable and enough to be like, well, let's start looking beyond ourselves. Yeah. So I'm yeah. having these questions. I'm kind of... Um, immersing myself into into my career now as uh, I went in undergrad I went to Cal Poly Pomona I studied information systems and business damn and I went head into that bro yeah because, man because of the survival mode and when I tell you survival drove me and it woke me up mm-hmm. I mean it woke me up I was that kid that at seven years old I was hauling ass with my dad in the construction field wow carrying 100 pounds. You know those 100-pound bags of cement? Yes. That was me, bro. Like, yes. like, my dad was just like, bring that over. And it wasn't like, how are you going to do it? Just you better bring it over. Right. Because you're going to bring it over. Absolutely. And so I'm there. I'm hauling ass, bringing, you know, I'm the cement guy. I'm the one who's <laughs> mixing it, carrying it up, upstairs. And when I tell you, Dan, that my little body was being pushed to the extreme, I'll, I'll summarize it like this. I, I would be in bed at, at the end of a full day's work. I'm talking from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. My little body would shake on its oh, own. Man. It would just like man involuntary like convulsions. Wow. Bro. So wow. I mean, if you want if you want to talk about what drove me, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's real easy. It's real easy <laughs> to to just to project a life of that. Yeah, and saying I don't want that for myself. So fast forward to I'm, I'm immersed in my career. I'm, I'm really working my butt off 
and I'm and now I'm in a space where I'm comfortable. So now I'm asking questions and I'm saying, how do I get the kids in my community to also escape their 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 situation, their 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 situation and and help them reach their own goals? Yeah. One of the hermanos pulled me in and so I started teaching Sunday school. And this is where this is where I think I don't want to say I know what happened, but why it happened, but I'll say what happened. I started teaching Sunday school with youth and young adults. And we grew the group from, there were, I think it was either six or eight kids. And we grew it to 40 in a span of eight months, which in that little community, that was, that's unseen, bro. It's, it's uh, totally unseen. And I have to thank the kids for that. That was their own doing. Okay. All I was doing was creating space for them. The the pastors pulled me one one of the Sundays. The pastor pulled me into her office, and uh, and I thought she was going to congratulate me. I was like, "Cool, this pa this pastor seeing that we're putting in the work. That's right. We're bringing we're bringing <laughs> the kids, which is what right. she asked for. Right. So, oh man, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get commended here." So I'm walking into her oh, office. Lord. Pastora, how are you? <laughs> Siéntate, sit down. Oh. Okay. And then I was like, oh, this, this tone is Right, different. right. <laughs> so she breaks it down to me. She says, um, tú te crees muy inteligente. You think you're so smart. Oh, damn. <laughs> she's, yeah. So I'm I'm also, I at this time, I'm, I'm at Fuller. So she's like, you think you're so smart. Um but I've been here 50 years. I know what you're doing. And I was like, excuse me? Like, wow. I was so, I was, <laughs> I was so shocked, brother, because number one, it was not what I was expecting. Yeah. At all. I thought I was going to get congratulated, but right. number two, it just felt so like in my mind, I was like, isn't we're helping the community. How is this? How is this a bad thing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I don't want to rationalize it for her. I have my theories of what was going on in her mind. Um, all I can pin, pinpoint now is um, it happened and it woke me up. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, and those, I'm, I it got to the point that those, to, even to this day, when somebody says, hey, we got to meet, there's some anxiety that that is associated mm. with that, right? The angst. Yeah. Cause yes. I'm like, yes, what, what's 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 coming? What 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 do y'all what do y'all what, what do you mean we gotta meet about what? Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because right. I got snookered into so many of those meetings thinking it was one thing and it's another. And then, like you said, you go in there and it's just like, whoa, wait a minute, where is this coming from? I remember having a mm. similar conversation. Mm -hmm. We had forty kids in the fellowship hall, right? Right. Every church mm. got a fellowship hall, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the senior deacon, right. Um, brother Thorpe, he didn't like it. He didn't like it. He wow. felt that the kids were too loud, disrespecting God, and that the fellowship hall should not be used for that. <laughs> like, wow, it has wow. fellowship in the name, right? But uh, okay, mm. and I got, I remember getting called in for that. You know, it's like we'd have wow. to have a conversation about our use of the fellowship hall that, you know, and this deconsecration of a sacred ground, these kids weren't mm. respecting the Lord. And I'm like, mm. Mm. and at the time though, I didn't like, if I had known what I know now, I would have been like, Oh hell no, nah, man. Yeah. Forget y'all. I'm taking these kids. We're going to go start our own thing, man. Yeah. 
what how did you build to a spot where you were just like you know i'm that's it man i'm 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 out and and what was yeah, well let me ask this let me what was the 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 break like i mean and i'm assuming that there's a break i mean what is yes. that what does that look like yeah yeah if that yeah. makes sense it does bro it does and and i'm just going to take a pause bro to to thank you man i i appreciate this this time and you making this space oh this, man um, thank you you know we don't take enough time to to do to 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 give praise where praise is due and i'm not i mean bro when i tell you that that i am so i'm so disconnected from the theological world i don't know anybody and nobody knows me mm-hmm. and i'm okay i'm okay with that yeah, like yeah i'm not i'm not i'm like the the guy in the wild and i don't and i don't care but i i'll say where where it's due and and i'm super thankful that you're that you're doing this right not to stroke an ego but to literally right. be acknowledged like yeah. there are not there are not that many spaces like this so when when in the podcast as i hear myself and even as i hear the 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 people sharing stories so we're in season 2 now and mm. we're starting to capture stories from the community of 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 how of how they felt and t- times when when they saw a leader overstep their boundaries it sounds really disjointed. It sounds really fragmented. Um, it's hard to make sense, sense and to synthesize stuff cleanly mm-hmm. because it's we haven't had a space to talk about it. So apenas is just coming out and it's coming out like really uh, broken up. I don't know if that makes sense, but if if that's a metaphor for the Latino community, uh, religious communities is that we're pretty broken. We're pretty broken, and and it's just trying to make sense of itself now. So I do have um, to answer your question about the break. Yeah, yeah. This came. Um, it was definitely accelerated by what was happening with during during the Trump administration. And <laughs> yes, sir. I've, I've heard you say this too, and I agree with you completely. This this. This man and this administration is is a symptom, so it's not it's not something that I, that I want to talk too much about him. But I, I'm fascinated by what how the community was responding to his voice, his message, the the administration's position, and um, yeah, it took a very nasty turn. It took a very nasty turn, very unexpected, where we have these little pockets. This is the interesting thing. This is like a, so, a, a sociologist's dream, I guess, is this little community bubble of Latinx people mm-hmm. who are in full support of a Trump administration. Yeah. Now, now, to an outsider, that makes... that That is like the, the biggest uh, paradox uh, contradiction ever. It just how is a group of Latinos, right, Pentecostals like pro a a a an administration who has verbally talked down to and disparaged their own community, right? It's just it's 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 interesting, and a lot of that has to do with with how this particular community, and not only this one but many other Latino um, evangelical communities view themselves yeah and it, it really has to do with i i believe with a lot of this internalized racial oppression that we haven't dealt with and this desire for us to be 
welcomed and acknowledged by the dominant culture. Hmm. Papi, hmm. please, do you see me? Do you <laughs> me, me, Papi, tell me how good I am, Papi. Wow. Like, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. And it's it's um it was hard, man. It's hard because I love them; they're my family. But at the same time, I can't sit there anymore. Yeah, because because I have more family, and I have communities of color who are who are my family that are beyond just the the micro bubble that I grew up mm-hmm. in. So I gotta look out for them too. Right, right, right. <sighs> Well, yeah. I mean, I I got so many questions. I mean, I think. Well, and, and thank you. I mean, I'm glad you. I'm glad you know that you were able to 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 feel comfortable. You know, in a space like this. I mean, because not very many people can. And yeah. And especially coming out of it, right? Because I I'll speak for myself. I know coming out of it, you know, you're. I'm like almost dismembered theologically i'm like well what what do i believe um mm-hmm. what what do i fall on because for so long this path had made sense this mm-hmm. this way of understanding this hermeneutic if you will right yeah. <laughs> made yep. sense um and now it doesn't anymore um and i you know i know there's more people who are out there mm-hmm. who are asking the same questions Mm-hmm. Um, you know, about that. How is your faith now? Where are you at? You said you went to Fuller. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk mm-hmm. about that or whatever, but theologically, yeah, yeah, man, sure. where, where, what do you wrestle with? What do you, you know, what, what's, where are you at now? Mm. Man, that's really good, bro. I, I, oh man, it's been a roller coaster, bro, to be honest. Come on. And, and the roller coaster started in 2008, actually with uh, exactly what you were talking, right around the time that you're talking about the uh, the economic downturn. Yeah. So I'm finding myself in a very interesting space because my career's taken off at that time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm like, I'm like opposite land. I've always, I've always been in opposite world, like where everyone else is like working hard. I am like on pause when everyone else is on pause, I'm working hard. So I'm in this space where I'm at, I'm at Fuller and I'm really, struggling with my identity as a brown man Mm. so i came from this community where i also felt like papi look at me you know i want to be accepted by white dominant culture so i'm at at fuller where the dominant culture is definitely i mean it's this majority white and um i'm i i take the attitude of i'm just gonna come and i'm gonna listen and i'm gonna absorb so it's been you know, I think I started at Fuller in 2000, around 2008, 2009. Okay. And I finished in 2017, which which is long. It's long, but it took me a long time, and I'm glad I, I did it that way. Good, yeah. Because I, I had time to process along the way. And right. I was very sleepy, man. I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you, I was asleep, brother. Mm. I, was a, I was asleep to the racial tension. I was asleep to all of it because, again, it was like, eso no me consta, that's none of my business. Right. And to and I will say this um, because I know you've had Janelle Austin on and uh, and um, Andre Henry I believe too yeah yeah and I remember I was in class with them and this is something that I, I wish I would have been more awake back then mm-hmm. to engage engage with them more and to and to learn from them but I was so asleep that I was attributing the wisdom to white people. 
authoritative voices in my community. My all my teachers were were white, even though a hundred percent of the students were brown. Yeah, and the police officers yeah. were white, even though everybody was brown. So I had this um, this framework where white people know what's right, and so I'm sitting there at their at their table, just learning from from the white voices. So where I land theologically um, is a place of trust right now, honestly. Mm. And it's um, it's more Christian than I've ever been, bro. If I'm gonna be honest, like I don't want to come on. Like I don't I, I don't want to say say stuff that that isn't true. And it's but it's not Christian in the sense of a Christian culture. I'm yeah. so like not that anymore. Yeah, I'm so not that. I'm I don't aff- affiliate with any church anymore. Um, but if anything, like I'm learn I'm learning that this personal relationship with Jesus Christ that I was presented with was had never been personal. Hmm. It had been informed by other people. I never really fully owned it. It was what I was taught. So I'm at a space where now I'm. I'm learning about it through my own lens, obviously, but literally this spirit of God that I was taught to embrace returns in a such a more powerful way, bro. If mm. and I don't I don't mean that in the cheesy cheeky way. Yeah, I don't, I'm with I don't you. mean that like that, bro. I'm with you. I mean that in like this divine has broken out of the walls. Yeah. Like it's out. It's it's not in it's the the it's not contained in the building anymore. Yeah. It's out it's out in the wild. And when I'm walking when I'm walking and you know, I don't want to pop my collar, but I'm out in the streets with people and people who are angry. And the and God's presence is there. Right. So strong. And so we're having like this 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 shift, this old school shift of like this is how God works. Let me tell you how God works. Let me make a system out of God. Let me make rules out of God and give it to you. And now God says, let me come down and destroy that paradigm because that paradigm has generated something so nasty yeah. and ungodlike where, where, where we see the products of it so clearly in our face during, during from 2016 onward. And not only then, but I think a lot of our, our scales were being, you know, falling off of our eyes, kind of like a, a Paul, a Paul event. Where yeah. He's, yeah. he's having his own moment. Yes. Of absolutely. Like, oh, damn. And this is God coming directly. So where I'm at is kind of in that, in that same space of like, I got knocked down. I've had these scales on my, on my eyes. And now someone else has to come and say, okay, let me, let me help you through it. And let me share your let me share what's happening, and I'm in a space of listening and learning, bro, right now. Yeah. So I'm trusting that that God is in control. I, yeah. I do believe that, and part of my journey has been I'm letting I'm I'm learning to to accept what is right mm. now. Not not in a like not in a like well. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna work toward changing anything. I know. I, I'm with you. 
but to internalize oh yeah. that's what we are and that's what we were yeah and this is this is what we've this is what we've um contributed to and i'm gonna own that i'm yeah. gonna own that 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 the churches contributed and contri- continue to contribute to racism continue to contribute to it to inequalities absolutely absolutely and i'm gonna accept i'm gonna accept that truth that that is what happens and that is what is happening and so a lot of the thing is uh, well where do we go from there i don't even think we can even get there until we can inter- mm. accept yeah you know like yeah. this 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 marcus aurelius stoic stoic way of doing thing is Look at it objectively. Yeah. Step step one. So this is where my science background kicks in. Come on. And my solutions thing. Come on. Is like you can't reach a solution without staring at the problem first. Right. And so what you're doing, bro, is absolutely critical. You're what you're doing is critical, and we're raising we're raising issues that we haven't we've looked the other way on. Hmm. We've been doing Luke. What is it? Ten or eleven? Where where we've been. We've been that person that walks down the street, sees the broken man, and turns and walks away, and crosses the <laughs> yeah. street to yeah. walk over. No, and we can't. We can't do that if if we're gonna be honest. We have to look at the problem. So that's where I'm at too. I'm I'm looking at problems right now. I'm surfacing issues. I think that's where my faith has has brought me. For a while, I thought I was just gonna be making pastoral memes. Right, but I'm right here. I'm right here. Oh man, where? I mean, so you talk about that, man. I mean, I and I appreciate that. I mean, because that is that's real. Because that's where I feel like I'm at. I mean, because it's like you Mm -hmm. deconstruct, and this is what this is what I talk about, like at conferences all the time. Like we can talk about deconstruction, but what does the reconstruction look like? What is that as a builder, somebody who used to build homes? You can't just go and throw shit up, like right? Yeah, it's like yeah, you gotta yeah. survey the land. You gotta figure out what's underneath this land. Like, what are we building yes. on, right? Yes. And yes. that's where I feel like I've been for a few years, because I'm just like, okay, I've deconstructed. But now, mm-hmm. what does it mean, right? This relationship with God, and so I feel you. And, and not a lot. And, and I think, bro, if I'm if I'm honest, I think that scares a lot of people. Because yeah, for it, sure. it strays from the theological highways that we're so used to, right? And 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 whether it's Latinx, whether it's African American, we gotta we and that's the other thing is that we have to admit as people of color, we sure we may vote like, oh yeah, freedom and social justice, but man, we tend to be theologically very on much on the conservative side, very much on the fundamental very. side. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there's something comforting about that. And I found this out when I first started going into like white church or theological spaces and they'd be like, you know, cause my dissertation, for example, my, my doctorate was on, you know, Tupac, right? I'm looking mm. at a theology and a gospel of Tupac. Oh, right? Nice. And now people don't raise an eyebrow at it, but boy, back in the day in the early two thousands, people were like, wow. What, what, wow. what are you talking about? How can you even associate that name with the gospel? Mm. But then mm. I'd go to white spaces and they'd be like, Oh, Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me. Come on. Oh yeah, postmodern. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> right, I was just right. fascinated by that. That you know, I'm welcomed in these white spaces. But then you go to you know, let's just mm. keep it real. I'd go to places like CCDA or Urban Youth Workers, and people be looking at me mm. like, 
What wow, the hell you wow. talking about, man? That's blasphemy. Yeah. How can you put that? That's of the world. That is secular. Wow. You know, all that churchy language wow. that a lot of people don't even know they're using. They're just repeating what they've heard. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right? Wow. What are some of the warning signs for you that you would, you know, as my grandmother say, would say, you know, what are some of the consejos, right? You know, that you oh, would give yeah. that somebody who's like, huh, maybe I should be leaving but what are some of the warning or the red flags, if you will, about a, a toxic environment? Yeah, bro. Yeah, uh, um, I I really narrowed narrowed it down to a couple of of, uh, of red flags. Okay, this, come on. Uh, this came this came by uh, on by a, a young person from the church who asked me, um, Josue, were we in a cult? He asked me that genuinely, and it was the That's... first time and. I'm I'm yeah. 38. It's the first time I've ever been asked that question. To ever have considered my the the community where I was raised and loved and passed around to be a cult. So I did a little research and I and I really was thinking about examples from my own community. And these are these are a couple. First of all is is unchecked power. So the leader is always right, mm -hmm. always right. It doesn't matter even theologically. Oh, what about this in the Bible? No, you get trumped every time, even though you know that what you're reading is it says otherwise. Right. Um, the pastor supreme. Forget about the supremacy of Christ. Right. Pastor is supreme. Right. So that's number one. Number two is closely related, and it has to do with um, not there not being a space for you to ask questions, inquiry, mm. right? Like what we were talking about. Yeah. You always get. Um, shut down or you don't ask that question because that's the question of the world or that question does not belong here god does not like that question um were reactions that i heard my entire life yeah um, the the third one is definitely there's there's uh survivors or people who have left tend to tell the same story mm. there's a there's a shared commonality with people who are who are out and if there, are, guess what? If everyone's saying a certain thing about you, it it might be worth considering, <laughs> right? Right. Hey, right. This fool, this fool's breath smells. If twenty people are telling you that, that your breath smells, uh, you might want to check that out. Yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> um, but we don't have the inability. We don't have the ability to to do self analysis in in our in mm. our toxic churches. Mm. We go we go without being audited, and any audit is taken as a as a challenge so those are the those are the the three that cut that that are probably the most the most top of mind and the ones that that i see quite a bit um and yeah it's it's unfortunate and sometimes you have to make a decision to leave uh, the, the the kids who have been sharing with me their own stories of of exiting yeah They've all been telling me, man, I felt I feel so much more confident now that I'm mm, out. Wow. I feel I feel healthier. I've started taking care of my body. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's beautiful. It I, is. It's beautiful to hear um that that they're out. And you know, some of the some of my community members who are who are going through the process of leaving are angry and oh man, rightly so, you know, mm -hmm. rightly so. And I don't I don't push anything on them. I don't I don't run to, oh, you have to forgive. No, that's not for me to do. Hmm. That's not for me to do. You need to feel that. Yeah. Feel feel the loss, brother. Feel the loss. And yeah. that's where you're at. 
then God, if God is in control, that's where you're, that's where you're at, and that's where you have to be. Right. And I'm there to love you, dude, and I'm there to be angry with you. Yeah. And I'm not gonna tell you where to go because that's the spirit's gig. I like you that. Know? I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, and that's and that's exactly it. And that's that. See, that's why I knew I was gonna like you because that's exactly. The place when I when I get you know for folks who are like man you're like what you, again I was like man you you got to figure some of those things out right for me mm -hmm. it was therapy <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. having at the time a, a close knit group of other men there that were mm -hmm. also survivors right you know and I was fortunate to be in a group with them with our therapists right and that really have deep and open conversations about the hurts about the issues that we particularly as men of color face. Um, mm -hmm. Man, that's deep stuff, right? I mean, well, let me ask, because I've been curious, What? how is, what's the response from the church been? Have you heard anything? Have people been like, oh, man, don't share our stuff, man. Why are you putting our dirty dirty laundry out there, man? What the hell? Or or people been like, hey, whatever. They're just sinners. They they have backslidden, because uh, that's oh. what I got. <laughs> oh, brother, brother. If I, if I would start telling you, um, yeah, I, I I hear some uh, some of it gets back to me, and this is where this is where you you had asked me earlier something about spirituality where I'm at now, mm -hmm. but this is where I think Eastern philosophy is it makes sense to me, and the, even just saying that I you know people will jump like the community will jump to oh that's of the devil, um, but really this concept has been rocking my mind and giving me the ability to observe myself. And you talked about therapy and in and, and, and therapy, I've done some therapy myself and I'm so, th I'm so thankful for it. This concept has allowed me to look at myself with, with, a, with a less judgmental lens. And I think that's what, that's what I've struggled with because the church I in, in the church, I inherited, and this is probably true of many people in the church, we've inherited a, a, a judgmental hermeneutic, as you put it, a judgmental way to look at the world. Is, is it good or bad? We love to place cat, things into categories, good or bad binaries. But looking at this, this, this concept is basically this. We are not, who we are is not, we are not our mind. Mm. And... So in my in my world of in my world of uh, doing information systems, yeah, it's really easy for me to abstract things. Uh, we create models and we create abstractions of things so that we can build things in the digital in the digital form. And in order, as you said, you need to understand how something is built, and to deconstruct it, you need to understand then how to reconstruct it. So we. What we haven't looked at is our own self, like deconstructing the self. And so we, on the Western world, this is where my indigenous nature also kicks in. In the Western world, we identify ourselves so much with the mind, with our thoughts. Yes. And we are yes. neither. We are not our thoughts and we are not our mind. We mm. have a mind. Mm -hmm. We have a mind. And even biblically, yeah. The the, the the apostles talk about you have the mind of Christ where there's obviously something beyond our mind that we are. We have 
a mind, but I am not the mind. So even though I feel angry, that's not who I am. I am not mm. anger. I am not anger. I have ang anger, fe angry feelings, but I am not ang anger. That means that I can choose to drop these things. I can dissociate myself from stuff and still see myself objectively. The second thing is I am not my body. So when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we often, we this association with ourselves as the body mm. is such a toxic thing. Like we have a body, but we are not the body. Yeah. And then you start getting into, into, into the philosophy of who we are. We are this thing that is exists beyond our mind mm. and beyond the self. It's hard to grasp. Yeah, come but on. If, but if we can, if we can get to that space, I, it's easier to observe ourselves in action and reaction. Yeah, and that's where we can begin to, to say, oh, Josue, like, oh man, Josue, you're you went through some hard stuff, and Josue's mind, man, it it it's a miracle that Josue's still here. Mm -hmm. It's it's a miracle. Yeah, Dan Dan went through some heavy stuff, and that's true. And man, Dan is here, and he's a gift, mm. and he's a gift. And then we we start to look at ourselves and really like, man, we we really are gifts, brother. Yeah, we really like to 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 be in full acceptance of we went through the, these things, we survived <laughs> some toxic communities. Yeah, man, this is incredible. This is incredible. You're a gift to the world, bro. I, you know, we're gifts to the to the world and to ourselves, and really to begin to to love the self and to really accept and love the person who we are without judging ourselves. Man, it opens up a world of like, I can look at my neighbor and not judge him because I'm already not judging myself. And you know, I'm taking back to Matthew where Jesus is talking about. Um, do not judge because with the same measure that, that you judge others, you will also be judged. Man. Yeah. I always thought about that as this is, I don't want to judge other people because then they're going to judge me. But it's the way I'm looking at it now is if I'm judging someone else, that means I'm using a measure to judge myself. Yeah. So if I'm capping on this bro's shirt, cause he's wearing like, <laughs> Oh, look at this. Look at this bro. Like, <laughs> Damn, like this will can't even <laughs> this will can't even afford like like a new pair of, of shoes. Guess what? If I'm ever in that spot where I can't afford a new pair of shoes, mm -hmm. what what am I what is my internal message to myself gonna be? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, Josue, you're a failure. Yeah. So that's where it, it, it returns back to us and, and it has nothing to do with other people other than when we're judging, when we're making statements of judgment we are judging ourselves and it's, it's heavy, but it's, it's super liberating when we can reach a point where, where we're like, not in, and not in, not in like a, an oblivious form of, of like, Oh, you just got to drop that. Just, just get over it. <laughs> it's not like that. It's yeah. not like that, but it's a reframing. It's a reframing of it where you can, where we can sit and say, man, like, damn, that did happen damn that was that was tough and it is tough and yeah. it sucks and 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 this is why 
it happened and I can I can understand that oh man something happens in the psyche when when we can when we can let go of of yes. where we can it's not yes. letting go but where we can reframe it and say yes. I understand I understand why that that shit went down yes I love yeah. that absolutely and that and that's just it man I think as my therapist always said, you know, what is, what is the closure? Again, you're not forgetting. You're not like yeah. sweeping it under the rug. But just like you said, it's like you're reframing it in such a way. Like, for example, when I left L.A., I didn't want to leave. Like, I, that, mm. I, I, that was like, man, this is this is where, where my roots are. Like, I didn't, I didn't. Mm. And I felt like I left in such an abrupt way because it's like, we're going to be homeless in a month. So we got to get mm. the hell out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it took about three years for me leaving to come back and to really have closure and to really sit and talk with people and to really say my goodbyes the way I felt like I wanted to say that, that I was able to get to, and again, reframing it. Like, hey, there was still no work for me in LA, but I was still able to close that. And I've it, it was a different chapter. Reframing mm. the way I felt my mentor did mean wrong and the way like he came at me for so many years holding on to that and again reframing it i'm not forgetting it i'm not yeah. going back mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm, i'm also mm-hmm. reshaping that in such a way that there's a healing right mm-hmm. the scars are still there but it's 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 yep. there's a healing and, and in a sense for me my gut check is can i feel good for you if you have mm. some success Wow. Because yeah. if I'm still mm. hating, I can't believe that fool looking. Man, that mofo over there, man, got that. Hell, I should be me. Please. Yeah. <laughs> but if I can be like, hey, you know what? Great for them. Yeah, yeah. But again, that's a process, man. So I appreciate yeah. you you saying that, no, man. Bro, I, and bro, nothing, nothing but love, bro. I'm I'm not where I need to be, but I'm on a I'm on a path that that am I healthier today than I was? Three months ago, yes, yes. So I'm I'm making progress, and and uh, it's we're hard. We can be hard on ourselves, you know. We yes. can be real hard on ourselves. Um, and 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 again, like to me, like that's my own that's my own mind trying to grab a hold of me. Yeah, saying you know, it's it's real hard. It it, it will it will chastise me for not being a hundred percent healed. That's not for me to do. And again, I, I can look at myself and say, I'm I'm Josue. Look, you're 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 on a path, man. And you're not perfect. And you're gonna and you're you fail all the time, bro. So Josue, this is normal. This is normal, dude. You're you're dealing with a with a with an old school tools. Like our minds are old school. Yeah. The limitations of our little brains. Like we like to think that that we're all like you know, advanced. Oh, we got some. We got. We got some trail over from some, from some some ancient, um, ancient evolution stuff, and and, <laughs> and our, our little minds are limited. Right. That's just the reality. Yeah. And also, your little mind, your li- your little limited mind is is um, is making you look at others and feel and feel bad. Nah, that's not you. That is not me. And 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 uh yeah it's easy to slip slip out and in and no judgment even then no judgment zero judgment yes it happens this is normal oh man i've appreciated the time that you have broken down stuff man i think this is is liberating and i think Mm. 
it will help others who are currently right now, you know, because I get I get these emails from folks who be like, man, I secretly I listen to your podcast. Oh <laughs> man, man. So now I'm about I to point it, him. To, I'm about to point him to yours, man. I was like, here's another one. Make sure you check this one out because I think theological and spiritual abuse. Mm. Needs to be right up there with sexual and physical abuse, man. It it it, it does damage, and it, mm. it, it 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 affects you in such a way that you know you 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 question your own self to believe your own self, right? Yes, yes, yes. Like you're seeing something. I'm like, I'm seeing that. That is a can. That is a can, Ooh. and it's not good. And people are telling you, no, no, that's not no can. You just you're not you're not seeing it right, and you're gonna need to go pray more. So, mm, thank mm. you for just taking the time out uh, for mm. today. Um, no, but thank you, man. Where can folks find you, man? Where can they get a hold of you? Uh, you know what you, what you got going now? What's 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 happening? When, when's the book coming out? I mean, I think that's gonna be the, on the on the on the hearts of everyone and wondering like when is the book, the memoir, of yeah. sway. Oh man, I would look. I would love to put that out next year. There you go. I'm, I'm trying to get through the the podcast. You the podcast is at Leaving the Rock, and uh, that's it's it's on Apple Podcasts and and Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. And then we started a little online uh, an online community on Instagram mm. at leave Leaving the Pod Leaving the Rock podcast. And you know that's open for people to come and share. It's the best way to get a hold of me is, is through messaging me in Instagram. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm there to listen, man. We don't we don't do that well in in our in our Latino communities. So I'm just there. I'm I'm a, I'm an ear. If you guys want to talk, I'm I'm here for you. That's great. I love it. And as always, those of you listening, I'll put these in the show notes at whiteodgepodcast.com, Profane Faith. I'll put all these in the links and please, by all means, go and check out this podcast. I'm telling you, we didn't give away the beans here, man. This is this. Y'all need to go and hear these episodes. They're solid and in in the process because it it does take a lot, man. It takes a lot. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of fortitude within yourself to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going. I and Mm -hmm. and I don't know what's out there, but I know I can't keep doing this. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, absolutely, man. Yes. Well, Josue, thank you again for coming on the show. The, I'm hoping this will be the first of many more. I I, I I tell that to most guests, but I'm serious. I really want you to come back. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll reach back out to you and, and get you on another time because I think we're just scratching the surface right now. Oh, uh, bro. Thank you, bro. I, I, I really appreciate you. And I'm, I'm here for as much as, as, as uh, you'd have me. 